0: Anything in life that's worthy is going to come with risk.
1: Having differences of opinions and having different viewpoints will only Hmm. make your company better. You're looking for things where the conventional wisdom is wrong. That's sort of the holy grail.
0: The SME Empower Podcast. Dream big. Act bigger. Three two, one, and we're live. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the SME Empower podcast. I am your host, Max Gituba, and I'd like to officially welcome Nick Villel, an entrepreneur and investor who is a founding member of the Nairobi Business Angel Network. So welcome to the show. We're very happy to have you. Thanks,
1: Max. Uh, happy to be here.
0: Fantastic. Um, so do you mind giving us a little bit of an intro into who Nick is and how you go to where you are today?
1: Sure. I'll I'll, I'll try to keep it uh, short and sweet. Uh, I'm, I'm American. I grew up in a, a small town in, in rural Missouri. Um, lived there for most of my, well, all of my young life until uh, moving to, to Washington, D.C. And right out of graduate school, I, I think I I was excited to see other parts of the world and had an opportunity to join the Peace Corps, uh, which is an American volunteer organization um, where they they send you abroad for two years. And so I, I lived in um, northern Togo for for two years, working with very small micro businesses and, and market women there. Um, really good education and very eye-opening for me. I learned a lot um, and I hope, hope hopefully I was useful to some people there. Uh, that some of the some market women and business owners that I worked with there. Uh, but I think that, that really made me excited about uh, you know the opportunities and, and the work that I was able to do um, in Togo and in other countries. And so kind of stayed in the NGO world for a number of years, boun- bouncing back and forth between the US uh, and sub-Saharan Africa, uh, subsequently lived in, in Ghana. In...
0: Well, that's quite an amazing story. It looks like you have been in quite a number of countries here in Africa. I actually got introduced to your work first when I read your article, which was entitled um, When Mission Doesn't Matter Enough. And I thought that was quite a striking title. Um, it's It's an article you wrote in 2014, which I thought was a really interesting contrarian take on something that affects both profit and non-profit businesses. Um, especially because you do come from a nonprofit background. So could you give us a summary of those ideas and the rationale behind them?
1: Sure. So I'll, I'll just take a step back. And, and I, I wrote this when I was healing my wounds after being a, I guess, failed founder is the right way to put it. Um, a, a business partner, a friend and I, had started a, a not-for-profit bar and restaurant in, in Washington, D.C. in late 2012. And the idea was we wanted to make it just easier for people to, to give, right? So we wanted to cover our costs and then give all of our profits away to a rotating group of social enterprises, nonprofit organizations, both in the US as well as abroad. And uh, you know, ultimately we, we didn't make it work, right? We, we were open for just over a year. We, we did a million dollars in revenue, but that still wasn't enough to be regularly profitable. And so you know, something that we had been super excited about and, and working on for a while, shut it down. And, and obviously that was quite painful, but I still believed in some of the ideas and theory of what we tried to do. And so that's where I wrote this article uh, on the Stanford Social Innovation Review. And so, yeah, I just, just picked out a few lessons that I took away. Um, you know, one of them was like, we were very excited about the mission of what we were trying to do you know, when we got all the media attention, et cetera, it was always about the mission and, and our business model versus how good the hamburger was, or how, you know, the, the cold beers were very nice, et cetera. So, you know, in some ways, I think maybe we over, oversold our mission. Um, additionally, you know, we we knew that bars and restaurants are, are a high failure rate business. But we thought that, you know, because we had such good intentions and such a good mission that it might help us overcome those odds. Uh, but you know it didn't I think we went in a little undercapitalized and and you know that hurt us in the end and then you know i I think you hope that when you're trying to do something you know, let, you know beneficial to to other people that there's a lot of selfish nature in in the world and so I think at the end of the day, whatever you're doing as, as a charitable endeavor or a for-profit endeavor like you really just have to be solving somebody's problem and, and a problem that they're willing to pay for and I think that was a a good lesson uh, to be learned sort of early, early in my career.
0: Yeah, that's an. When...
1: Well, I mean, as you mentioned, I started in the nonprofit world and, and when when in the nonprofit world, I was running programs for founders, uh, working with governments to try to improve environments. Um, and so I've, I've always loved working with founders. And so I think that will always be kind of a bedrock for for me, something that I, I always hope to be doing, as well as a founder myself, you know, just just being around founders and their energy, et cetera. Um, Is is just infectious, and so, you know, I'd been doing doing a lot of advising over the years, you know, informally, uh, helping founders where I could, and so when when I was financially able to, then pair that with writing some small checks, uh, it was just just very appealing, Um, and so I'd been doing it a little bit over the years, but then tried to get a little bit more serious about it uh, about about three or four years ago, uh, just because I've well, one, I've been on the other side of it, I know how tough it is to raise money. Um uh, and two, you know I, I love being on the startup journey and, and as an angel investor, it's like I get to be on five or ten different startup journeys uh, and hopefully add some value and, and hopefully you know offer some few coins to, to support.
0: Wow, um, that's incredible. Uh, just a question that came to me as you were speaking is angel investing is quite interesting. Most people don't really have a good sense of um, what angel investors do. And kind of um, what, um, or rather, uh, what people can actually access um, those kind of assets, the risk assets. So, um, do you need to be like ridiculously wealthy to pursue angel investing, or how how would someone get started on that? If you could just give us an intro on angel investing generally, and um, how anyone can get started on that.
1: Yeah, good question, and, and I think absolutely not. You don't have to be ridiculously rich, otherwise I wouldn't be doing it. Um, I think there's a common mis- misconception that you have to be a high net worth person to be able to do this. I mean, most of the people in, in the group that I started in Nairobi business are writing checks between sort of $1,000 and to $5,000 uh, per investment. And so, you know, a lot of people in our group are, are somewhere in their 20s, somewhere in their 30s, somewhere in their 40s, but this is not high, high net worth people. We have a lot of f- former founders in the group. Uh, so I think, you know, to your question of like, what is angel investing? Yes, it's, it's you know, digging in your pocket and, and backing for doing something amazing and and are building a scalable business or, or an impactful organization it might be. But I think given that, you know, that you're writing a small check, there should be a lot more value that comes with angel investing. So, you know, given that I've been a, a founder, something like seven times over, like, I should be able to open my network and say, if you, oh, if you need to talk to somebody at this company, I I know one of the senior managers there. Um, I, I think it's typically angels, ideally when they're doing it well, are just a little bit more hands-on and value-add of investors at a at a particularly important time for a company when you're you know just get started, getting started, trying to find that product market fit, trying to find your first customers, etc. Uh, oftentimes, part of what the the role is too is just being a sounding board uh, because being a founder is really hard and it's lonely uh, and it's tiring and so sometimes you know sometimes you're you're a sounding board sometimes you're a cheerleader uh, but I think all of those things are, are part of what makes it really fun.
0: Wow that's um an amazing sales pitch at the very least. Um...
1: <laughs> Everybody should do it come on. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's true, that's true. Um, I'm sure it's not quite so um, simple as you put it but I am halfway into actually becoming an angel investor myself now. Um, (laughs) Thank you. Uh, So in your experience, um, is a strong impact on society mutually exclusive uh, from a for-profit enterprise, or is there a healthy balance between impact and profit?
1: Uh, Absolutely not exclusive. Uh, I mean, I look at some of the the businesses that I've invested in here, and, and they are they are for-profit companies, right? They want to make money, but just just providing a service that that people need. I mean, let, let, let's look at the fintech space, right? Um, is is hard? Um, it's time-consuming. It can be very costly. Like if, if somebody builds an amazing neo bank, uh, that's going to make that easier for people to to start their their, their small businesses and be banked uh, to save their money to you know just just transact like. T- Making that easier is is incredibly impactful. Um, so I don't think they're uh, mutually exclusive. And, and ideally, and the, the businesses that I want to support, actually, you can have both sides of that coin.
0: Oh, that's incredible. Um, I actually do have the same opinion, um, which is part of actually the pitch of the newsletter that I just started, which is called the Impactful Capitalist, um, which is based on the premise of actually that you can um, create wealth for yourself and for the world at the same time, um, and I think that's that's a really cool insight. So yeah, um, I, think,
1: I think if we all have that uh, that mentality, we can we can move things a lot faster.
0: Yeah, thank you. But I should thank also you. say
1: that you know, caveat: angel investing mm-hmm. is very high risk, uh, and no yeah. one should do it with money that they can't afford to lose. Okay. Um, and I think you know one thing that I do caution people who who join the group is like, if you're going to be stressed out about this money. Um, mm-hmm. don't do it. Like assume when you've written that check, assume the money is is gone. Uh, mm-hmm. Hopefully you're gonna learn a lot. Hopefully you're gonna enjoy being an angel investor and then hopefully you do get a financial return. But if you're gonna be stressed out about, is it gonna come back next week or next month or next year, and you're probably gonna stress the the founder, then don't do it. Like that's that's not good for anybody.
0: Yeah, I think um, that's that's a good caution to give the audience um it is called risk capital after all. Uh <laughs> high risk. For very high risk. High, high return, <laughs> high risk, right? Exactly. That's the game. That's the game that we love. But on to the next question. It is my understanding at least, um correct me if I'm wrong, that most businesses aren't venture fundable by angels or venture capitalists. So could you enlighten us a little on the businesses that are venture-backable and what alternatives other businesses might have?
1: Yeah, I think it is right. I think most businesses are are not venture-backable and and should not try to fit themselves into that box. Unfortunately, if if it's one of the only sources of funding, I I do see a lot of founders trying to make themselves venture-backable. And most of the time that doesn't end well. It's not a good fit for the business. And so there's nothing wrong. I mean, I've set up a bunch of businesses that were not venture backable, right? And and they have treated me well, and I've enjoyed doing them. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think it is a category of business that um, that does require significant capital to growth for, you know, for, for growth, or could require, let's say we're talking about something deep tech, where it requires a good amount of Investment before you can start to generate revenues. I think there are models and types of businesses that do need that. Certainly not all of them. Um, But I think, you know, of of the businesses that I look at and and have invested in, it is those that have that potential for scale. Um, You know, it could be a a piece of tech, it could be a piece of software, a SaaS model where, okay, with, with some additional capital, can you now go from just operating in Nairobi to all over Kenya to all over East Africa to <clears throat> to India, to China, to, you know, and, and I think those are the kind of businesses that, that, that have that scalability that fit well within the venture capital model.
0: Okay, thank you for that insight. It, it's very insightful. Um, so moving on to the next question, you're not just an investor, but you're also um, a founding member of the Nairobi business, Angel Network. So could you talk to us a little bit about um, the network itself and what led you to establish the network?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so Nairobi Business Angel Network has been around for about two years now, um, and really, you know, part of it was just out of a, you know, they, they say the best f- founding stories are, are ones out of personal need. Um, you know, I would I benefited a lot from having other in- investors around because it enabled me to see more deals that, you know, that they they would come across that I would never have found. Uh, it enabled me to share insights uh with other investors i mean I, I was new to kenya at this point when i was getting started and so you know so many people that have so much better knowledge and always will have better knowledge about kenya and the ecosystem here um, so you know we there were a few of us that were that had, had connected um and we said you know we think we would benefit from this and so we started with about 20 people um and now we've grown to a group of uh just over 100 and you know it's it's become, become some friends in the group. And it's just some really interesting people with diverse backgrounds. And I think it makes us all better investors uh, because we are, are able to learn from each other as well as, you know, see more deals that, that come from the wider group. So everybody's required to bring in at least one deal per per, year so that we see, you know, it might be something in med tech. And again, I don't have a background in that. I don't have connections there, but uh, I, I greatly enjoy seeing different types of deals. So, you know, that, that's kind of how it works. It also enables us to get into deals or, or investments that, you know, if I'm writing a $2,000 check, I might not have an opportunity to, to write that $2,000 check because they wouldn't want uh, a small check like that on their cap table. But coming together as a group, maybe we put 20 of us together and, and now we have forty or $50,000 and now we're investing uh, as a group. So it also gives you access to, to some of these exciting deals.
0: Well, that's actually an amazing business model, if you ask me. Um, so um, what's the criteria to join the angel network, if I may ask?
1: Yeah, it's, we we think it's really important that, that everybody in the group has the entrepreneur's best interest at, at heart and at mind. Um, so we've, we've tried to be very careful about... Making sure that the people coming in are of high caliber high integrity and so we actually do it all through referrals of existing members so out of that 20 people that's that's how we've grown to the 100 is just people who know somebody personally and say this would be a great member and they talk to them and if they're interested then they they're able to join so uh i do get some people who who don't know members but i think you know the, the entrepreneurial ecosystem in kenya is not that big most of us are based here and so um You know, we tell people that you can look on LinkedIn, um, about 50 or so are listed on LinkedIn as well as as part of the group. And so able to reach out to myself or or other members and and get to know a little bit more about the group that way uh, and then potentially
0: join. Oh, that's amazing. Um, We'll keep that in mind. So why is it important, do you think, for founders to have founder-led investors such as yourself?
1: Well, I think if you've been a founder before yourself, you get it, mm-hmm. um, and you you're not going to make unreasonable requests of, of founders. You're not going to beat them up when things don't go right because we know that you know everything is going to go wrong. Everything that can go wrong probably will go wrong when you're starting a startup. Like that's just how things go. And so if you've if you've lived that journey, uh, I think you're going to be a bit more empathetic. Uh, hopefully, you're going to be more helpful because you know maybe I can offer a piece of advice based on a mistake that I made uh, in one of my ventures and help the founder from, you know, to not make that same mistake and, and avoid that. Uh, so I think, you know, in that way, um, it's great to have other founders supporting you because I think, you know, it can add a lot of value and, and just save you from some of those hardships.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I get that. Um, so do you specialize in the seed stage or in later stages?
1: Uh, I would say I'm almost exclusively Um, pre-seed. So very early. Uh, It's where I think I can add the most value because it's, you know, I've I've been down that path many times. And so, uh, yeah, I do pre-seed and and maybe small
0: seed rounds. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. So uh, what we have a traditional last question on this podcast, um, which we ask all the guests, um, which is, what kind of world do you hope to create through your entrepreneurial endeavors?
1: Uh, I guess my short answer would be, you know, one that's better than, than when I arrived. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, you hope that since here, you know, in some ways makes things better for whether it be the founders that were sporting or, um, you know, customers that you have, et cetera. So, yeah, I, I always subscribe to the that the, of Leave the World a little bit better than you found it.
0: Wow, that's um, that's an amazing answer. Very short and sweet, as as you <laughs> said. <laughs> and yeah, so thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. We have enjoyed having you immensely, and I certainly hope that you keep um, keep winning in in life and making a larger impact. Well,
1: thank you for having me. Uh, I appreciate what you're doing. I think the content you're putting out is great. I think we all need more of this we need to all get smarter so that we can improve the ecosystem and and you know help founders grow better and so thanks for what you do and thanks for having me
0: okay i know exactly what you're thinking such an amazing episode with nick learned so much from this episode and i hope you did too now just a few announcements um we started a new newsletter It's called The Impactful Capitalist, and it will be linked below. Uh, As we said in the episode, this is a newsletter where our mission is to make you and the world a wealthier place. So if that's something that interests you, kindly subscribe. The link will be in the description, as I said before. Uh, Also, feel free to engage on any of our social media platforms. Um, The link will also be in the description Uh, I'm more active on LinkedIn and Twitter. And feel free to email me at getubamax at gmail.com. If you have any question, any comment, I would love to engage with you. So until we meet again next time, thank you so much. And I hope you have an amazing fortnight.